girl, so I just kind of do my own thing sometimes. Um, so two disclaimers. I'm super nervous, guys. Um, I, like, I normally up here singing. Jeremy's like, why are you nervous? I'm like, I'm nervous. Um, partly because I haven't actually preached for about three years because pandemic life, let's be honest. Um, but two, the majority of audiences that I've had have been children and teenagers and young adults and Latinos. <laughs> and they're a little bit more active of an audience that I know that sometimes y'all are. I know I probably annoy some of you because I sit over there and I just say, yeah, amen. That's right. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> and so, um, so anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm very mobile. I'll talk and all of the things. And if you want to say, amen, you can, if you want to say, Praise the Lord. You can do that. That's okay. Um, just, just letting you know. You're free. You're free. Um, so first thing up, Jeremy wanted me to just put a picture up here because the truth is my husband is usually in the back somewhere. And so this is my husband, Leonardo, and my son, Elias, who is always running around normally with pajamas if you get here early enough because um, we all get here really early in the morning. But we just celebrated 13 years of marriage, which is so fun. Yeah. Um, we met when I moved to Bogota, Colombia to be a music teacher in an international school and I wanted to live with Colombians. And so I ended up living with his pastor and family. And so we met doing worship actually on a stage. I barely spoke any Spanish that had anything to do with life and he barely spoke any English, but we loved music and we loved Jesus. And a year and a half after we met, we got married in Colombia and um, we moved to the States about 10 years ago for his residency citizenship process. He became a citizen about six years ago. And so he is Colombian American now. Um, but, you know, we have our family, his family comes to visit often. And so you'll see them and I love speaking in Spanish and singing in Spanish, and so I always take advantage of that <laughs> when they are here. Um, so I wanted to bring this table up. This is part of, of my talk today, but the, the theme of today, what I feel like the Lord's put on my heart is just that the Lord has an invitation for us. And this table is something that Leo actually built for our little house. <laughs> and if you've ever eaten dinner with us or had been over at our house, this literally is all that will fit in our kitchen. And so it's perfectly sized for, for us, right? And he found the pallet wood because we like to be cheap. And um, we used a blowtorch to like stain it. It was so fun. But we built this table for our house. And so I just, I just want to, you know, we knew the kids were going to be in here today. And so I, I wanted to start out with just, there is an invitation for each and every one of us that Jesus is extending. And we, we have the opportunity to say yes. So we're going to take a look at a story real quick um, for, from Samuel. And I love, love, love this story. Um, and it just says this, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I can picture my son doing that. <laughs> Hello, mama. Um, but Eli said, I did not call. Uh, go back and lie down. 
So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. (laughs) Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are an intentional, invitational God. That you have something that is unique for each and every one of us, but yet timeless. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would open ears today, open minds, open hearts to understand this invitation that you're giving us. We love you, Jesus. It is an honor. It is such an honor to do this. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Amen. Amen. So something that has stood out for me as I've been just marinating in this story for the last few weeks is this. Like, did you catch this? Like, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. Like, he was a minister. He was already doing the things. It actually says he was sleeping where the holy of hol- like the where the ark of the covenant was and he didn't know the Lord's voice. Isn't that crazy? He was doing all of these things, doing all of these things, but yet he did not know the voice of the Lord. Why? Because the Lord hadn't spoken in a long time. There had not been many visions. He didn't know what to be looking for. He didn't even know to expect that God would speak to him. But yet God did. He called out. And what I love about it is that he went to Eli. Number one, I think, because Eli was there. That makes sense. A kid's going to run to the closest adult when they hear a weird thing. But Eli had to be wise and say, wow, I think this is the Lord. We, as adults, as older people who are walking through this world with younger people sometimes, we get to be the voice and say, actually, this is the Lord on your life. This is what you're hearing. This is what you're experiencing. This is, this is actually the Lord. When you feel this, when you sense this, when you have a burden for this, this is actually the Lord. And we get to be that voice. I want to share a story. Um, when we were in Colombia, uh, we worked with um, specifically musicians um, who were coming to the Lord. And one of our really good friends, his name is Fabian, and he is from a region of Colombia where there was a lot of war. Um, and a lot of missionaries couldn't go there, but there were a few who ended up going, and they were Wycliffe missionaries. I don't know if you've heard of Wycliffe, anybody? So Wycliffe, yes, right? Wycliffe, they go, and they live with a, with a people, and they learn their language, and then they start translating the Bible into that language, right? So Fabian, young kid, he'd been working with missionaries for about five years, teaching them his language, helping them try to translate the Bible. Well, about after five years of this, all of a sudden he starts having a series of dreams. And one dream, there was a man that appeared to him and held up a banner 
that, like in English, translated from Cordoguaje to Spanish to English, right, means repent. He's like, what does that mean? And so he just kind of sat with this dream. He saw a man appear with a banner that said repent. He's like, all right. A few weeks later, he has a second dream. The man appears again. And the man explains, I don't want you to do these specific cultural things that are, you know, now Fabian says, like, they were demonic, right? <laughs> so, so Jesus was saying, like, don't drink these things. Don't participate in these things. Don't let your family do these things because I want you to change your ways. Fabian's like, what? Like, that's, like, no one's ever told me. <laughs> and so then again, he has a third dream. So by this time, he's like, okay, I need to talk to somebody. <laughs> and so he goes to the Wycliffe missionaries. And he's like, I think you guys might know what's going on, maybe. Maybe. And uh, he explains what's going on. And they're like, well, we think that's actually Jesus appearing to you in your dream. This Jesus we've been telling you about, that we've been working on in our book. He's like, whoa, hold on. Like that? That's the dude? Wait, what? Because he had been comparing what the missionaries were explaining Jesus was to his gods. And he said, he's nothing like him. We have to change this because I've been helping you translate out of my own understanding, but this is not who he is. Isn't that powerful? It's so powerful. And I just imagine like Samuel, he'd been ministering to the Lord, but all of a sudden he heard the Lord. Whoo! He heard the Lord. The Lord gave him an invitation. But here's the deal. This invitation wasn't butterflies and rainbows, right? The invitation that God gave to Samuel was to deliver a hard word to his mentor. It was an invitation to obedience. The same for our friend Fabian. The Lord invited him into this to repent. And you know what? The village wasn't like, oh, sure. Just stop doing all these things and just live how you want to live. No way. People came after his family and they had to flee. They had to move to Bogota. They had to start a whole new life in the cement jungle, right? In his obedience, he was invited to obey. He was invited to obey. And that's what, you know, Paul even talks about. You know, Samuel had to speak a hard word to Eli. Fabian had to reject parts of his culture that were demonic. Jesus calls us to lay down something important to us so we can live into his bigger story for our lives. For the Pharisees and for Paul, it was their spirit of religion. They thought they knew so much about the scriptures, but all the pride of their so-called knowledge was blinding them from seeing the actual fulfillment of the scriptures in front of their very own eyes. And Paul writes this in Philippians. He says, I once thought all these things were valuable. He lists out all of his awards, all of the things that he did, all of his lineage. He says, I once thought all these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. He'd been serving, but he didn't know. Then all of a sudden, he came to the saving knowledge. Jesus blinded him. And he came to a saving knowledge of who he was. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, 
so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. My dad is a pastor, and he uses this passage. And how many of you have ever played euchre? Anyone? Any euchre players? I love euchre, right? And so you have like this set, like what would happen, right? This happens to me sometimes. You get a jack of diamonds, you get a jack of hearts, you get an ace of hearts, you get the king of hearts, but Trump is a spade. Does that work? It's garbage. It's a total garbage hand, right? And that's basically what Paul is saying here. Everything that I thought was going to be awesome, that was going to give me position, that was going to give me place, that was going to give me favor, it was nothing compared to Jesus. Nothing. Can you say that? Nothing. Yeah, thanks. Get a little Latino flavor there. So here's the deal. Jesus' invitation is to surrender. To throw off the things that we think are important and to sit at his table, his table of blessing. And Lori stole my point with the grads, but here we go. We're going to go it again because I was a teacher and I know that sometimes you need to hear things a hundred times to be able to learn it. So we're going to hear it for the second time today. Y'all have probably read this a lot, but here we go. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And I love the progression when I used to study this. It was, you know, when, when someone's walking, there's kind of, have you ever seen this, right? Like you hear someone or see someone maybe playing music. Let's just use that example. Someone playing music on the street. You're walking around East End, you hear music. Oh, well, let me go. Let me go. You start walking towards it, right? And then you kind of stand. Hmm. And then sometimes you just pull up a seat, right? Now that's a great example, a nice positive example. But sometimes that's what we do with sin, We see it, and we're like, huh, that's kind of interesting. And then we stand there like, hmm. And then we sit down, we're captivated. We're captivated by sin. We're captivated by things that are not Jesus, right? And so what does Jesus say? Sit at my table. Sit at my table, the table that I have prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. Sit at my table. Don't be captivated by the lesser things, But here's the deal. I don't know if you've ever tried this. You can only sit at one table. You know, sometimes I go to weddings and there are people all over and of course I'm going to bounce around everywhere. And I'm like, la, 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 la. No, sit at one table. (laughs) We have to sit at one, we have to choose. We have to choose the table that was hand-built for us. The table with a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. I just keep saying that again and again because so many of us are living in a world where it feels like we are surrounded by enemies. But Jesus has prepared a table. When all the chaos is going on around us, when all the sin is swirling around us, the table is for us. He has prepared a feast where we can come and delight ourselves in him and be filled and satisfied by him. A table that requires surrender, an intentional yes. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. For me, 
My surrender has taken through seasons. How many of you know it's multiple surrenders in your life? (laughs) Not just one, right? Multiple surrenders. I'm what you call a typical pastor's kid. My dad said we needed to be ready to preach, pray, or die at any moment. And so here I am. And I grew up with this. I grew up in church. I grew up serving the Lord, but not knowing the Lord. That was my wheelhouse. I grew up serving the Lord and not surrendering. I grew up serving the Lord and not actually saying, okay, I'm going to just sit at your table. I entertain sin in my heart. I entertain sin in my mind. I entertain sin through my actions. Serving the Lord. And the reason I feel like this is true here today, because some of you have grown up in this house, right? But still, we have to live lives who are surrendered. Samuel was in with the Ark of the Covenant, and he hadn't surrendered. Anyway, I'm going to keep going. Um, So interesting, um, when my dad would travel around and preach, he'd do different things. And um, one time, there were missionaries that were talking. And I remember at like eight years old, I think, hearing the missionaries speak, and I felt something in my heart, like really draw me and captivate me. And I I remember thinking this, I I think I'm going to be a missionary. Like, I I think that's going to happen. I remember walking to the bathroom and like thinking, I'm going to be a missionary. And what was interesting was I didn't know a lot of missionaries. This is, of course, way before social media, right? So the only context I had was the board of missionary pictures at the Christian school that I was attending. And they were all old. I'm just going to be honest. And I literally said, well, Jesus, looks like it's going to be me and you because they're all going to die. Like, literally, that's what I thought. I was like, I'm going to be the only one. Because I don't know anybody else who feels like they're called to this. And that, okay, you and me, man. And then it wasn't until I got older that I realized, oh, no, actually, there are a lot more missionaries. And it's okay. But it was interesting. But I remember that. But it was a a struggle. It was a struggle. Because I felt the call when I was young, but I did not want to walk in it. I don't know if you've ever felt that, if you've ever been that, in that place where you feel something from the Lord and you're just, you're just coward. <laughs> you're a chicken. You don't know what that's going to mean to actually choose a table. You don't know what that's going to mean. It doesn't look fun. It doesn't look engaging. It just, it's, you don't know. And so it wasn't until I was a senior in high school that I really decided, okay, This thing for Jesus, I actually need to lay my life down. I actually need to surrender. I actually need to change. I actually need to choose this. And so I did. And I got baptized. Like, what is that? I got baptized. And it changed everything. Because from then, it wasn't like this dance between tables. It was like, Lord, how can I just honor you well? (laughs) How can I serve you well? How can I hear you well? How can I lay down everything in my life for you at all times? How can I do that? And so the Lord did. He he called me, and I feel like he called me into ministry when I was young. But when I was in college, even, there were no women doing what I'm doing. (laughs) I I remember the first time I ever heard a woman preach, and I literally looked around, I'm like, do you all see this? Like, there's a woman up there. Like, what? <laughs> right? And there weren't ministry opportunities for women. Like, even youth ministry. I love kids. I love youth. I was like, maybe I'll study youth men. That's like the cool, popular ministry track. So I was going to do it. No one was getting jobs. Women were not given jobs unless they were married. And I didn't know if I was going to get married. So I was like, all right, Jesus, 
What are we going to do about that? And he led me into education. And so I got my teaching degree, and I worked in Chicago in a school for five years, and I loved it. I loved it. I worked with fifth and sixth graders. A lot of them were Latinos, and it was incredible. It was challenging. There was a lot of gang activity, even in fifth and sixth grade. It was hard, but my room was the room that the kids knew they could come and get prayer. Like, how crazy is that? Public school. My kids knew they could come to me. I would attend funerals right alongside my students. I would go to their parties. Not party parties, you know what I'm saying? Like fifth and sixth grade, like parties, you know? Yeah, okay, anyway. So (laughs) so I'd go to their places because I wanted to be in their lives. I wanted them to know Jesus. I wanted them to, my dad bought me like bilingual Bibles and I was passing those out. It was incredible, I loved it. And it was ministry and it was fulfilling and it was life-giving. And then the Lord said, lay it down. I was like, what? I love this. I'm I'm made to be like this. I'm made to be here. He's like, lay it down. You know what he did? He called me to sell all of my stuff and move into my car and travel and do different kinds of things and eventually go to Kenya. I was like, I've put the nations in your heart from the time you were little. It's time for you to step into it. I was like, okay, here we go. So surrender. So I get to Kenya, and it was amazing. I was living with different tribes and learning and doing programs for kids and teaching about... I just loved it so much. And then I got malaria, and I almost died on my way to India. And that whole time, I'm laying there on the bed in India, and I'm like, Jesus, what is going on? (laughs) Like, I really thought you led me here. I don't understand. And he was like, I led you here because I wanted you to know my power in your pain. And my power in your suffering. And my presence in every moment. The high moments and the low moments. I'm with you. I am here. I'm literally giving you breath. So I had to surrender. Again. And I had to come back to Columbus, Ohio. Right? But even in that, God was so gracious and so kind. Because I heard about a thing on Friday nights called Hungry. There was a young adult prayer time here at this church in that other room that I almost weep every time I walk in there. Like, Jeremy laughs. I'm like, I love this space. Like, I literally have a square in there that I go to every time that you could probably see in my tears and snot. If you did a DNA sample, it would be there. Because the Lord broke me in that place and said, you think you've been trying to get this and this, but I'm still calling you to surrender. Are you still going to surrender? Are you still going to follow me? Are you still going to say yes to me? Are you still going to sit at my table that I have for you? So there was another surrender. And this is an interesting story. But I was traveling and dumpster diving for food, to be totally honest with you. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever done that. It's a cool thing to do in Chicago. Anyway, um, people do that a lot because it's cheap and... You get the things that are already prepackaged. You're not like getting anything else. But anyway, so I was, um, I was doing that. And I said, Lord, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> like, if you want me to keep following you and doing this radical life, I will do it. Like, I will absolutely do it. But I feel like there, I, I just, I feel like there could be a little bit something different. <laughs> he says, well, how about this? What's in your heart? I was like, I don't know what's in my heart. Like, at this point, really? You think that I know what's good for me? I don't think so. And he says, well, what do you really want? Like, what is it? And I said, okay, it's three things. 
I feel like you're calling me to make like $750 a month, which is really nothing. I feel like you want me to have an invitation somewhere, and I want my parents to be okay with whatever it is. If you can understand that, right? Like, who is this hippie chick traveling all over, getting malaria, almost dying? What? I wanted those three things, and the very next day, I got a phone call from the director of a school in Bogota, Colombia, and she said, I got your name off of this list, and I didn't know if you'd be interested in coming to Colombia. And I was like, sure, tell me about it. You know? And she's like, oh, sure, okay. She wasn't really used to getting a yes. Um, And so I said, sure, tell me about it. She's like, well... You'd be teaching music to international students. Um, we recommend that you raise $1,000 to support a month, but you only have to really raise $750 because we give you $250. I'm like, oh, so hmm, interesting. Interesting. She's inviting me, and she's like, and actually, you know, you can come whenever you want. And I was like, okay. So I called my parents, which is random. I rarely ever did that, but in this time I did. And I said, hey, so there's an opportunity. And they said, my mom was like, well, Let's pray about it. And within three weeks, my mom had confirmation. My dad had confirmation. Even my brother. Like all these weird things. And I was like, I guess I'm going to Colombia. And so I left. And it was the second week there that I met Leo. Right? And now that's a whole other... I have so many stories. That's a whole other story. But here's the deal. We got married. And we were happy. We thought, our family is going to expand. This is going to be great. No problem. And we couldn't have kids. Had no idea what was going on. Saw doctor after doctor. Nothing was happening. And we had to surrender again. Jesus was asking, am I enough for the two of you? Am I enough for you? And that was one of the hardest things in my life to say, you're enough. I'm going to choose your table. I'm going to believe that you have more for me than what a child could bring to my life. Uh, You're enough. And three years later, I get pregnant on a missions trip to Colombia. And here's Elias. Okay, so I'll be a 38-year-old mom. Sure, let's do it. Yeah, why not? I'll sit at that table of surrender, right? Every time along the way, God is saying, will you surrender? And he's speaking. You guys, he speaks. He speaks. I have a friend. I'm um, in seminary right now, and I'm taking a class. Or I did take a class a few quarters ago on Muslims, uh, Islam in America. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus like shows up in dreams in the, in the Muslim world. Did you know that? Have you heard of those stories? No, you had no idea. Okay. So people are literally having dreams about Jesus revealing who he is as the son of God, as their savior, revealing dreams. And they have nothing else to do but say, okay. So I met with a lady wonderful woman, wonderful woman. And she was telling me about her history and her story. And um, she said that she was broken and bawling in her kitchen one day and all of a sudden had a vision of Jesus standing there and he was full of love and he was full of light. And he just told her, everything's going to be okay. I have you. I died for you. I'm here. I'm yours. And she's like, okay. (laughs) And she's in a group of people who are coming out of Islam who have been, who Jesus has revealed himself to in dreams, revealed himself to them in dreams. Isn't that, you've never heard, have some of you heard, no, it's happening. Even now, even now, it's happening. Even now. And here we are sometimes and we wonder, Jesus, what are you doing? Where are you? He's in the middle of all of it, you guys. 
He's in the middle of all of it. And so this life that we have, I'm going to say it again, it is a constant surrender. It's a constant surrender. Sometimes it's a moment-by-moment surrender. Jesus, what is the best that you have for me? Jesus, what is this next best step forward? You know what he does is he reveals all the good things, and he fills us with the Holy Spirit. I used to um, teach students how to pray for other people, kids, actually. And one of my students, he got so excited that Jesus would want to use him that he was shopping with his parents one day and saw a lady, this is just here in Westerville, or Columbus, and uh, saw a lady in a wheelchair at the entrance, and he stayed there and prayed for her. And his mom was just walking away, like, la, 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 shopping, shopping. She turns around, she's like, where's my son? And she's like, oh my gosh. And she goes back, and there he was praying, praying for this woman. When we get a glimpse of Jesus, when we are captivated by him, we have nothing else to do but say, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you before myself. I'm going to serve you before anything else in my life. I'm going to serve you. You are worth it. You are the one who is worth it. You're worth my life. We sing it worthy you are. Forever. You are worthy. Forever. You are worthy of my yes. Nothing else comes close. Nothing else comes close. And so something that that I do with our team a lot, is I just say, like, this is our prayer, (laughs) that we want to have eyes and ears open to Jesus, to what he's doing in our lives and lives of our family, where we're working, but we also want to have courage to jump in, no matter what it looks like. We sit at this table that Jesus has prepared for us, and it's so much more than we could ask for, think, or imagine. And then he asks us to invite others He's already speaking, already moving, already doing things in the world. And when we step out in faith, when we step out, we get to partner with him for what he's doing in other people's. Like, there's nothing better than that. Like, look at your name. There's nothing better than that. Or maybe not Latino. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> there's nothing better. There's nothing better. All these other tables, all this other sin, all these other things that try to captivate our attention and captivate our affections, it's not worth it. It is only Jesus. It is only Jesus. It is only the kingdom of God. So whatever, I just just ask, you know, maybe we can just take a moment real real quick. (laughs) I don't know if there's something that Jesus is asking you to surrender. Even those of us who work in the house of the Lord (laughs) or who are trying to just do the thing, do the thing, do the thing. Have we really heard? Do we know the Lord or do we know about him? Because when we know him, nothing else compares. The Bible comes alive. We understand depths to who, is, who he is in different ways, in new ways. And it doesn't fill us with, with questions or wondering. It fills us with expectation and wonder. So this is the thing. Whatever you ask me to do, Jesus, I will do it. He's called me to seasons of silence in my car where I've listened to nothing else. And I've just had silence with him. He's called me personally to delete social media. How many of you? Hallelujah. Right? Like there are times that like just just surrender it. Like please just stop. There was a time where he called me to surrender secular music. 
And it was back in the days where there were actual CDs. I'm so old. And uh, I remember breaking them, like literally getting all of them, finding all of the music and breaking my CDs and just being obedient to the Lord. There are times he called me to lay down friendships. There are times he called me to lay down patterns. There are times, things that were even good. But he said, nope, try this now. This is surrender. Some of us are doing good things, but we're still not surrendered. And some of us are being called to surrender to the Lord's timing. Maybe it's career, family, kids, some of y'all grandkids, right? You have to surrender to the Lord's timing and say, Jesus, today is the day that you have made. I'm not going to worry about all these other things. Today is the day that you have made. I'm going to sit at your table today. I'm not going to think that things are just going to get better down here. I'm going to sit and enjoy all of the things that you have for me today. Wherever you tell me to go, even if that means to my own family or to repair broken relationships, whatever you call me to do, I will do. Surrender. I'm going to say yes to you. Because the truth is, guys, this world needs people who are truly surrendered to Jesus. We need to be real. (laughs) Really, truly surrendered. We need to be captivated by a Jesus who fulfills us. We need to look to Jesus for our identity. We need to look to Jesus for our safety. We need to look to Jesus for our provision. We look to Jesus for the source of our very own lives. He is everything. We need to be people who joyfully surrender everything for a seat at the Lord's table, knowing that what Jesus gives in exchange is a life abundant. Abundant. And I'm standing you, standing here today telling you, and Fabian would tell you, and my Muslim friend would tell you, that it is worth it. It is worth it. Laying your life down for Jesus is worth it. Saying yes to Jesus is worth it. Forgiving your enemies is worth it. Asking forgiveness from a family member is worth it. Daily surrender is worth it. Because what did Lori already talk about? What happens is we are filled. We are filled. We are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever we do prosper. At the end of the day, I don't care about money prosperity. I don't care about house prosperity. I don't even care about clothes. I got new shoes. That's nice. But like, I don't care about prosperity because he has everything for me. He has everything. Jesus is everything. When you go to a different country and they have nothing but Jesus, there's a difference. Right? He is everything. He is worth it. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up real quick. We're going to sing that song, Firm Foundation, again. Because that's just been my heart. That Jesus is a firm foundation. I can trust him. I'm safe with him. And there are a lot of things crying out for our allegiance these days. Parties. (laughs) I don't know, a lot of things. Opinions. Social groups. We sit at the table that Jesus has prepared for us. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you for who you are.
I thank you that you are faithful in every season. And I thank thank you that you invite us to this table that you've prepared for us. We don't have to do anything to earn it. You've already prepared it. All you ask is for our yes. All you ask is for our surrender to actually come and sit and delight.